Hello listeners and welcome back to Games of Future Past. My name is Boris and with me is Sean. Hello, hello. Games of Future Past, if you're new here, if you join us for the first time, Sean and myself take an old game, take a new game, uh, see what similarities they have. Usually the old one is a classic, the new one is an indie, usually. And see like how far we got as, as a species. When it comes to playing stuff. Sometimes we even take new games that look old. Yep. Uh, like today. Uh, we have a spooky episode for you. Playing two games that in some ways almost feel related. Like the new one yeah. is, a sequel, <laughs> yes. is a sequel to the old one, though it isn't. But clearly inspired. So without further ado, uh, we are going to compare uh, the 1987 uh, or 86, depending on which platform, basically, uninvited to the more recent game named Faith, both pixelated horror games. One was at the peak of graphics at its time, the other is also at the peak of graphic of that time that passed. Like, one is deliberately retro. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna start with Uninvited. Uninvited has um, a complicated release history, I'll make it simple. Uh, the game was developed by ICOM Simulations and published by Mindscape. And this is the fourth game by ICOM. It was made in an engine called MacVenture, which is an engine, as the name implies, it's an engine for adventure games for the Mac. So the original game was released in 86 for the Macintosh, the original Macintosh computer, later released for Apple II with improved graphics, like color. The Mac version was black and white, the Apple II version was colorful, uh, there was a DOS version, an MS-DOS version, in 16 colors, the ugliest one, <laughs> 8 or 16, I'm not sure. like, everything is purple and blue, that's the, like, it looks amazing in black and white, in two colors, it looks amazing, in 8, it looks horrible, uh, there was an NES version, a censored one, no Satanism in this one, it's a wholesome horror game with zombies and ghosts, uh, <laughs> so it looked best at two colors, like, better at two colors than an 8, then the Apple II version, beautiful. The NES is the NES. It's like, it's almost a different game because of the censorship. And it was actually re-released last year for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. I, I like played two versions of it and then watched another one. So I like covered most bases with this game. The story of Uninvited is that you, the nameless protagonist, are driving on a road with your little brother, when suddenly your car crashes, um, almost explodes, you escape at the last moment from the car, just in time uh, to see that your brother is gone, and you are near a huge mansion, and uh, start exploring. 
it's a point and click adventure game, you have several screens, it does some very interesting stuff with the genre already for 86, I must say, but we'll get to that later. Uh, but basically, you see in the middle a screen of the environment, and then you have an inventory screen, you have a very useful panel uh, for all the exits from the room, so you don't actually need... You can click on the doors, but you can also interact directly with the exit panel, which sometimes helps you and helps the developers, because in some cases the door doesn't appear on the screen, but you know there's a door, because it's like in the panel, and at the bottom you have a text panel showing you, like, describing stuff. And you walk around this mansion, uh, trying to solve puzzles, not be eaten by ghosts, and there's a time limit, except in the NES version. There, there isn't a time limit. So, again, almost a different game. <laughs> so, yeah, also in the NES version, it's not your younger brother, it's your older sister. I don't know why, but I guess because then you you save a, a babe at the end of the game, because Nintendo, Japan, 80s, I, I don't, I, don't I, like, I speculate, I go too far. I actually don't think you're that far off, because friend of the show, Asi, has mentioned brother-sister pseudo-incest is apparently a thing in anime. Okay. And, like, a thing, to the point where he keeps stumbling onto it without meaning to, which really does raise some questions that might be the cause of the change. Yeah, I'm looking now at the picture of the sister, like, Oops. it's a very, like, you've seen the art of the game, it's a very similar art. Uh, she is a mature woman, yeah, no no cleavages or stuff, actually pretty, like, uh, the, it's the opposite, she has this, like, sweater and skirt, and she looks very, like, um, very... Nancy from Stranger Things? Yeah, like, exactly. But yeah, but she's a mature woman and not an annoying kid, because the kid you save in Uninvited is annoying. But he's your brother, you have to save him, whatever. Also, you don't want to be eaten by ghosts or become a zombie due to time limit. So yeah, so I think that's pretty much Uninvited in a nutshell. We'll get more deeper into it in the review and comparison later. So the game that we'll be comparing Uninvited to is Faith. from Airdorf. It's a one-person horror game, uh, currently free on Itch.io. Uh, you play a priest named Father John who is returning to the site of a failed exorcism. A year ago, he and a partner of his tried to exorcise a demon from a girl named Amy Martin. It did not go well, and John is returning to this house in the forest to try and resolve the situation. Because John is a priest, his only weapon, and in fact the only thing you can actually do in the game other than walk, is uh, a crucifix that repels evil spirits. Broadly speaking, the game is divided into two parts. Uh, in the first part, you are wandering around in the forest, 
uh, to an 8-bit rendition of Moonlight Sonata for some reason, which is not the song that I thought would go with, <laughs> um, you know, Haunted Forest, but whatever. Uh, and what you're doing is you're looking for bits of story content by exercising evil spirits out of dead trees, wells, gravestones, whatever. You find a note here, a note there, and slowly start piecing together what's going on. And the whole time you're doing this, you're being stalked by this kind of twisted white demon that can appear at any point uh, along the borders of the map Worship and just come straight at you. And the only way you can stop it is to hold up the crucifix while facing it. No use holding it while looking away from it. Uh, so you kind of have to keep your reflexes sharp when it shows up. Uh, and as you're wandering around this forest, uh, you find the key to the Martin house, which leads to the second half of the game in which you're exploring the house and sort of building towards this final confrontation with Amy, and you have the five possible endings. That's pretty much it. It is a game that is very, very much deliberately designed to mimic something out of the Amiga era, in terms of the priest himself is represented as just almost like a rectangle of pixels with like a little white, you know, stripe across the neck to show that he's a priest. So it's always interesting to see a game that tries to go retro, even though it literally came out three, four months ago. And uh, that's Faith. So. Let's compare. Let's compare. It's it's easy. Right from the start, you have a demon thing. Um, you have someone coming to a mansion to save a soul. Framing is a bit different, but the moment that Faith starts, like, I'm coming back to the house after uh, what happened a year ago or something like that, I'm like, uninvited? You're going back to the house after it kid after the house kidnapped your brother? Like, and then I see it's a priest and I love how everything is in Latin. The menu is in Latin except like, uh, the thing you're standing on. So if like, you you are on new game, it will show new game. But if you move to options, it will go back to Latin. So for the very little, like the small amount of tools that Faith has, it right from World Go, it does a lot with them, which is really cool. What annoyed me about Faith, and I get, I get that it's, I get that it's like the nostalgia thing, but it insists on using like very low quality MIDI. Uh, sounds even below MIDI. I'm not sure. Like I'm not sound person, but like that speech rendering for like the priest when he talks. Ooh. Yeah. It's been one year since I first went inside that house. I have to finish what I started. In uninvited, when you die, a big skull appears and it tells you, "I got you." Uh, it sounds something like. I got you. Uh, and it's spooky, like a skull appears and I got you! It's trying to say I got you, it just doesn't have the, like the computer back in the time couldn't render the sound with, uh, I don't know, four bytes of information it was using. So in this forest, you run around, this, this spider demon appears, screaming, worship me! And I'm like, this is annoying. This is spooky, but also spooky in an annoying way. A disclaimer from the start. I think it's a cool game. Definitely not for me. Mainly because you can't save. Well, there are checkpoints. Well, I didn't reach any. I was traveling around this fucking forest. 
First time, I let the spider eat me just to see what happens. I was curious. Second time was just traveling around, uncovering, as you said, bits of information. And I was really curious. I really wanted to see where it goes. And then just once this spider jumped at me, like, too quickly, not in time for me to, to fend off. And, like, there was the mansion, but it was locked. I didn't find the key. And then I died, and I, like... So what? So again? So I just need to go into the forest again, uncovering all the bits of information I already uncovered? No. Walking around aimlessly? You don't have to rediscover the... I mean, the lore pieces that show up that you discover along the way, yeah, they get reset, but you don't need them. I don't have time for this right now, and I didn't get a chance to get back to it. So, so unfortunately, um, Faith, I just sort of dropped it. It seemed cool, but not entirely, not enough my cup of tea. As for Uninvited, it's just a very old adventure game. It's not a Sierra game, but in the Sierra way of like, this oh. all, it's, it's also short. Like it's unlike a Sierra game, you could say like, luckily this is a 30 minute game, 30 to 40 minutes, but there are so many ways for you to fail and so many ways to get into an unwinnable situation that this game would have taken me, like, probably 10 attempts, at least, to figure out without a walkthrough. I started with the walkthrough. I started with the NES walkthrough for the Mac 2 version. Uh, first, I tried the DOS version. It was disgusting. Then I discovered the, the Mac and Apple 2 versions both come in one application for the iPad. So I downloaded it. You, you just choose which version you play. I played the prettier one, the Apple II, really pretty. Used the NES walkthrough. It didn't make sense because it's... Like, it made partial sense, but then parts of the game, like, weren't there because it's a diff almost a different game. I connected to, like, at least four iterations of this game. So I feel like I know it through and through even though I haven't finished it. And it's cool. It's really cool. Like, it has a lot of really awesome stuff you'd like to see in an all-adventure point-and-click horror game. Well, there is one point of commonality between these two games, and I'm actually glad that you brought it up, which is sort of speaking to the larger trend here of both of these games use a particular game mechanic that very, very easily takes you towards irritation and frustration rather than fear, and that's the death mechanic. You know, like you said, Uninvited, uh, and this is not unique to Uninvited. All of the icon games from back then, like Shadowgate, Deja Vu, you know, you step in the wrong direction and you die immediately. Shadowgate, by the way, is also a Mac venture. Yeah, it was those three games. And then, you know, the people who, after Icon went bust, uh, they created Zojoy, who made the Shadowgate remake. Ah, cool. So it's sort of in continuity, whatever. So yeah, so Uninvited does this thing where you can die at any turn and then have to do the whole thing over again. And Faith also has a situation where that damn demon can spawn, you know, from the moment you make the screen transition, it comes right at you and you don't even have a chance yeah, to repel but, it. But in Uninvited, you have a save and load game mechanic. Uh, you get a checkpoint immediately when you find the key and when you enter the house. It is a lot more generous with its saves than it might initially appear. But it does raise this question of, you know, what this death mechanic does in practice to people who are playing is it's annoying, 
right? Like you get mad, you get frustrated. Does that not interfere with the feeling of fear? You know, because I initially I did find parts of faith creepy, but then you keep getting sent back to that damn car over and over and over and over again. It's like, fuck. And the same with uninvited. Like, ICOM games are infamous for, you know, if you do not have a walkthrough, you will die. And yeah, you might save, but your save might also be like, no, you made a mistake three rooms ago, and then you saved, so you're fucked now. Yeah. You're going to go to the start. What I liked about Uninvited, and I'll give it credit, because again, it's a short game, so replaying it over and over again back in 86, how much games did you have, right? I would have yeah. been one of those people who would have replayed it a shit ton of times. Also, some of the puzzles have some moon logic. Most of the puzzles are pretty logical. What I like about the death scene Uninvited is how descriptive they are. Like, at the very beginning, the first the first thing you meet, usually, that can kill you is the Scarlet O'Hara ghost. You, like, open a door, and suddenly, in the middle of the hallway, uh, a lady stands with her back to you, and, like, she wears this uh, old-style dress, and she has a parasol and a hat. She looks like this Scarlet O'Hara-type lady. That's how the protagonist describes her. If you do anything besides spilling ghost-repelling fluid on her, which is a thing, <laughs> apparently a thing, but uh, if you do anything but that, like try to do any sort of interaction instead of that, she turns to face you, she has a skull face, and then there's this very graphic description of how she shreds your guts with her bare hands, her skeletal hands. And I'm like, this is... Cool, like, I I wasn't really afraid, because, come on, this game looks old, it's not that scary, it does frighten you from time to time, but if I'd be, like, 10 years old, playing it on an old Mac back in the day, you know, like, sitting alone in the dark with this very highly detailed game back in the days, uh, in beautiful black and white, it looks amazing in black and white, and this ghost would jump at me and shred me, so yeah, I am basically saying that it didn't age perfectly, but it still affected me. Like, I was sitting there watching, reading the description of how she shredded me, and like, this is cool. And I found myself, like, every time I found, like, something that could kill me, I would save the game. Even if I knew how to solve it, I would let it kill me just to see how. And this is something that Uninvited, uh, and I don't know about the other MacVenture games, but Uninvited did this really well. Uh, as for Faith, yeah, the spider demon was a nuisance. Like, I just, after the second time it killed me, I appeared at the car again, I'm like, I'm not going into that forest again, not because I'm afraid. I just screw this. I To compare to a game that we haven't played and haven't discussed on the podcast, uh, Soma is a game created by the makers of mm. Amnesia, and uh, Soma is famous for being a fascinating game, like, with great storytelling and very annoying monsters. And the creators themselves released a patch where you can cancel the monsters, and people are, like, dying for it. Really, yeah, I just want to explore. I want a walking simulator. I want to explore the world of Soma because it raises amazing philosophical questions, great storytelling. I just... 
don't want to hide from the monsters. And that's what I felt. Like, people left Soma because of the monsters. I left Faith for the same reason. So I feel like that t- by trying to scare me with the spider demon, it just basically made the game not for me. It does seem like that's a lesson that a lot of modern horror games have sort of taken, uh, you know, for granted. Just this idea of you don't want the gameplay to be an obstacle to the feeling of fear. Yeah. Right? Where when you think about games like Resident Evil or The Suffering or Silent Hill when it was scary, these are the things where, yes, the game can be a challenge to play, but... It's not so easy to lose, right? Even something in Amnesia where you don't actually have any weapons, if you are observant, you can get around. You know, like the flip side of not having weapons and not having excessive inventory is also you're not put in a position of like guessing obtuse puzzles. You must spill the ghost water, not on the ghost, but on the candle next to the ghost, which will cause a pillar of flame that will not set her on fire, but will burn the rug that she's standing on that will cause her to fall through the trap door. Yeah, well, you joke, but this doesn't happen in Uninvited, but Uninvited does have those frustrating moments of, I got the ghost fluid. So I'm like, I'm standing in front of that Scarlet O'Hara ghost, or actually in front of her back, I'm like, and I'm throwing it at her. And then I get the text, this wouldn't really work unless you uncork it. And I'm like, damn. So I click open bottle and whoops, you did an action. So she eats you. And I'm like, so I need to open the bottle in advance before. So you open the bottle, then you open the door. So she appears, then you spill it on her. And then, like, you find a matchbox. So you open the matchbox, take a match, use the match on the matchbox to light the match. Then you need to quickly use the match before it goes up. Like, thanks for the realism. Why, why is it good for? And you do get six matches. You only need two for the entire game and you get six. So it's not like too cruel, but the fact that you need to Operate match on matchbox, operate match on the thing you want to light on fire. It's like, come on. Yeah. Faith, to its credit, doesn't have that. Yeah, it just, you just have the crucifix. Yeah, you have the crucifix. Your mission is also very simple. You know, you are going to this specific place. Now, there is a boss fight. And it can be incredibly frustrating. But the one concession I think that they did there, possibly out of recognition, you know, for how fucked up everything else is, is that every stage of the boss fight, there's a checkpoint. Okay. Nice. So, like, by the time you get to that point, even if you are losing consistently, you are not losing too much progress. You're not going you... back to the car. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you don't go back to the car at some point. Another interesting parallel that these games have which, you know, I do love it when we stumble onto games that have so much in common, even though initially we're just We like, didn't ah, know. Yeah, we didn't yeah, know. Yeah, bit horror. Is that both of these games make some very weird decisions with their stories that challenge me. Like, it took me a second to be like, I'm not entirely sure why you did this. So, you don't mind if I spoil Faith for you? No, no. Okay. If you really chase down all the lore and you hear about this, the Martin family and all of that, you start to realize that this white demon that's running around outside has nothing to do with your story. 
there's actually another priest and another exorcism that's happening roughly in the same area. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, that's an interesting choice because, yeah, it does suggest that, like, there's some broader problem going on over here. And there's another priest on site who is not you. And that factors into some of the endings. Well, I actually love that you found, like, one of the texts you found is a newspaper clipping telling that, uh, I think it's Connecticut, right? The game happens. Yeah. This brochure of a lecture of about the history of Satanism in Connecticut. And I'm like, amazing world building. <laughs> like, this is, like, I'm playing an 8-bit game. My protagonist has no face. But this brochure about Satanism in Connecticut, I'm already like, damn, like, I already, like, I feel connected. I'm like, okay, so this priest here, sent by, by the Vatican or whatever, later you get this, right, you, you, like, one time the demon is the one who drops the clue about the other priest, right? I, because I remember reading this and I was like, the cardinal tells him to come back, like, should I come back, or is it another place they're talking about? Yeah, because it's talking about someone named Michael, and you're like, wait a minute, but the name of the girl was Amy Martin, so who's this Michael person that they're doing an exorcism on? There are two scenarios. Now, that is interesting in theory, right? And it does, like I said, it, it does affect uh, two or three of the endings that you get, but what it also means is that in practical terms, the first half of the game is meaningless, if you had started the game in the house... It would have been the same game. It would be the same game. You just find all the relevant notes in the house and you, you go from there. Like, there's no inherent reason to be wandering around in the woods because the white demon is not what you're actually after. You have this monologue in the beginning that the priest gives where he's talking about, you know, I have to finish what I started. I, there, there was this exorcism. Uh, towards the end, you get a letter... Uh, that describes, like, what this demon girl did, and it's hella crazy. But it is sort of towards all building up towards that, and so the presence of this additional enemy that is not related to anything is, on the one hand, clever, but on the other hand, you sort of realize, well, then you didn't need this forest thing. Like, the game is essentially too long (laughs) for 30 minutes. Like, it doesn't have to be that long to start in the house. Yeah. Uninvited is also kind of weird. Because when you compare it to its predecessor, so Deja Vu was realistic noir detective story, and Shadowgate was medieval fantasy. And here, you get out of a car... In Scotland. In Scotland, and then you are fighting a sorcerer. Yeah, not any sorcerer, a student of Crowley. You are casting spells. Yeah, you are casting spells right from the start. Like, you, you find a spell book and then you, you find a book that explains the world of spells and then you find spell scrolls. And what I like about Uninvited is actually it's one of those games where you should write things down. Like, you should have a pen and paper with you playing it, which I didn't. And when I watched the playthrough, that's what the guy did. And I'm like, Oh my God. Right. That's what I should have done. Like, Let's take the book that's heavy and your inventory is actually limited. Like, carrying it around this huge tome that has, like, eight Latin words in it. Like, you idiot, just write them down. <laughs> and this this is great. And um, I like these games where 
uh, like her story, like year walk, like in the neighborhood you had the, uh, the, the puzzle with the figures, like, well, you need to take a pen and paper and write shit down because you won't solve it otherwise. Like this, uh, the, uh, it, it takes you a little bit out of the medium on one hand, but on the other, it, uh, it adds a lot. It improves your interaction with the game in many ways. So this this is cool. The fact that you need to memorize or write down spell words and stuff like that. Yeah, Shadowgate was the same way, but that was the thing that I couldn't figure out. Like, do you see any added value to the fact that this game is supposedly like it starts off set in modern times, and then suddenly you're dealing with like witches and shit? Because you get the spell book so early on, it's like you might as well have just been in a fantasy world. Yeah, but it makes it like a more effective horror game. Because remember that the very first scene, you are in a burning car. This is realistic. You are in a burning car that you need to escape. And they're like, where's my brother? Shit, there's a mansion. Shit, I hope my brother's not inside. Well, I better go check out. And then, like, you open the mailbox and... A letter addressed to Mr. Crowley with an amulet and dogs barking. You're like, okay, fuck that. I, those dogs sound crazy. I walk inside and inside you find a spell book and ghosts and like, okay, this, this shit is scary because this is modern times. I was in a normal situation right now. How many medieval horror movies do you see? Like almost none. There are some, but extremely They lived horror movies. <laughs> And like medieval horror movies is just like you know biographies, yeah, because yeah. they were on some shit. Yeah, but like all horror movies are modern because otherwise it won't be scary. If it's not something you could imagine that would happen to you, that's not scary. Uh, also, a, a fun piece of trivia: they actually used almost the correct address for Crowley's mansion. His house address isn't six six six. But he does live, like, he, his, his mansion was, or probably still is, in Scotland on the road where the car crashed. So this was, like, in that aspect, they put that in, like, for the fans. Like, if you're into, and back in the 80s, like, yeah, I guess people were into that stuff. Like, if I would have been an adult in the 80s, I would have probably known where Alistair Crowley lives. Of course I would. So it's like, it's cool that they actually used uh, a real place and not just Because first I thought, ah, oh, they just throw the Crowley name, because why not? But no, that was actually his actual house. The evil wizard who, who hanged around with Ozzy Osbourne and Led Zeppelin. Like, that's a real person who lived. A 20th century wizard. That by itself makes the game cool. Because it's it reminds you that we lived in the time where there was... Uh, a, a wizard in Britain. In modern age Britain, there was a wizard. Well, wizard, I mean, you know. Come on, like, let me fantasize. There was a wizard in Britain. Like, who cares if he was a charlatan or not? I mean, technically there's a wizard in Britain now. Have you seen Alan Moore lately? <laughs> well, actually, to be honest, like, joking aside, the man calls himself a wizard. I'm like, I'm not, a, I'm not going to contest that, Right. You go be a wizard. I don't want to argue with that, for sure. It's pretty awesome that England still have has wizards. They have a queen, so why, why not wizards? If there is a descendant of King Arthur, there should be a descendant of Merlin as well, I guess. The only thing that bothered me about the modernity aspect in Uninvited specifically is, I think, because of the way the game starts, it feels kind of like a Chekhov's gun. Like, I was thinking... 
you're going to get to the end and you're going to confront whatever it is that took your, your sibling, right? Whatever this, this thing is, wizard, ghost, demon, whatever, that the solution is going to end up being something from the modern world, right? Because then it would make sense that, like, that's why it matters that you wake up in that car. But no, you just throw a cross at it. Yeah. And the evil wizard, you just throw him into a bottomless well. The boss fights in this game aren't interesting. Yeah. And I don't know if that is considered like a missed opportunity or if it's that's just how it's supposed to be. Because Shadowgate came out before this game and did have a, like the tiniest bit of an unexpected twist at the end where... Have you ever gotten like to the last screen of Shadowrun? A uh, Shadow. I keep saying Shadowrun. I, I have Shadowrun, played but... none of these games. Like Uninvited is okay. the first one I played. If you ever get a chance, like try the Shadowgate remake. It's it's actually pretty good. In that last scene, you have the the big bad and the demon that he summoned, and you've got like this magic wand that will fire one blast. Now, obviously, you might be thinking, "Let's shoot the big bad, and that'll be the end of it." You do that, the demon kills you. So the idea is you're supposed to shoot the demon and the blast sort of snaps it out of its mind control and it eats the the wizard. Oh, okay. So that's like an unconventional... Well, not necessarily unconventional, but like that's not the first thing that you would think of yeah. in a scenario like that where you have the big giant gun. And Uninvited doesn't really do that. It presents very clearly like you go through the mansion you find your sibling you deal with this situation with the the you know the bottomless pit and all that and then you have like that final confrontation with also a demon much like faith although amy is slightly more sympathetic than whatever i mean it's either the annoying younger brother or it's the older sister who's like throwing hearts at you i don't know what that yeah, is yeah but but this demon also really looks like slimer from ghostbusters <laughs> like only <laughs> just with, just with horns he does, uh, he does. and uh but but i just want to before i forget this game the writing i love it so much because like the evil wizard as we said you throw him into the he's like frozen and then you thaw him and if you wait he wakes up uh, so you need to quickly throw him into the bottomless pit where he just drops forever, for eternity, because it's bottomless. But if you wait, uh, I actually really love how he kills you. Because, like, you see his face, and it's for the first time not a skull, not a ghost, it's a person, it's a man, but he's this wrinkly face, this Rasputin-looking face, looks at you, and the, the text says, uh, I forgot it, Drakan, I think? Drakan is very thankful that you saved him. He believes you should die. You do. And that's the text. He believes you should die. You do. And I love it. I just love it. I, this, yeah. the, with this, with this face, like this nasty face plastered on the whole screen. So, like, you play uninvited. I feel like for torturing the protagonist, like seeing him die is much more interesting than anything else. Like, yeah, throw a cross at the demon, whatever. It, like, it is a missed opportunity, I agree. Like, it does lack a lot of... Like, how do you deal with the ghosts? One, you use an, a, an anti-ghost fluid on. The other ghost you throw a spider at, and it runs a... Why? I don't know. Then you see dogs, you cast a light spell, and they run away. It's like... Yeah, the the combat in this game is extremely unexciting. But the situations, the creatures that you meet, there's this 
weird stone ball in the maze. What the fuck is this thing? There's the puzzle of like, you have a snake, a cannon, and a bird. Which one should you pick up to survive? It's cool. It's cool because it's modern. Like, cause if I, if I'd go into a maze in a medieval game and then find in a cage a snake, a bird, and a cat, I would be like, yeah, whatever, witches. Put animals in cages, like in a maze. It makes sense. <laughs> like, in some sixth sense. And here it's like, where the fuck am I? I was just driving on this road with my brother in Scotland and suddenly I'm this hell. Like, there's the gremlin running in circles around you, taunting you with the key. And you need to give him a cookie, because he's, like, he's on a sugar rush. You need to give him a cookie, and then he leave the key. What? And you break the cookie jar with an axe. Like, don't forget to take the axe. You need it to break the cookie jar? What the fuck is going on in this mansion? Can't you just open the jar? No, it's stuck. Need to break it with an axe. Can I throw it against the wall? No, you need to use the axe. Fine. Adventure game logic. Sure. I'll use an axe. So yeah, that's like the last point of comparison that I have between Faith and Uninvited is precisely that. But like, this is a situation where they're inversions of each other. Because in Uninvited, you really do have to work to figure out Typically, like, when, when you encounter a mystery, there's one solution. But there's no logical forethought as to how you would consider reaching most of these solutions. Sometimes just, there is. Like, if you read the diaries, like, you know that the servant is afraid of spiders, for example. Stuff like that. Uh, but, but it's a lot of trial and error. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Like, you, you mentioned, like, the, the perfect example being, you know... The bottle, you have to open the bottle before you even meet the ghost. And it's like, well, okay. Yeah, you won't and do it unless you know it kills you. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Now, Faith, because it only has that one mechanic, that one interaction with the crucifix, means that the bulk of the effort that the player is spending, not just mechanically, but like in terms of overall engagement, is that you have to piece the story together, right, from all of these letters. And that can also be a process of trial and error where sometimes you find this landmark, sometimes you don't, sometimes the letters change, sometimes they don't. And in fact, I, I got a note of congratulations from the developer for finding like a super secret letter that most players apparently haven't found. And I'm like, yeah, it would have been nice if that letter had actually explained something, but yeah, okay. It leaves, I think, a few too many gaps in that story. Whereas with Uninvited, like, the story is not super interesting, right? I mean, ultimately, you go into the mansion, you beat the evil wizard, you rescue the sibling. That's kind of it. There's no last-minute twist. So it's interesting that they have this, like, very different approaches to both storytelling and mechanic, even though they're, they're practically opposites of each other in that sense. The endings can range from scenarios that are jokes to there's maybe like of the five, there's maybe one ending that can be considered kind of like a happy ending, but it doesn't resolve the main problem. Now, part of this might be, this is admittedly stepping outside the scope of the review, but uh, Erdorf has announced that he is working on Faith 2. Okay. So there's clearly a continuation of some kinds of the storyline. My ideal game would be something that took the descriptive language and the clear 
you know, transmission of narrative information in uninvited with a simplified gameplay from Faith. Because then you would have something that would really let you experience this house and all the freaky shit in it without being concerned of, like, you're going to die every 20 seconds because you drank the cup of noodles instead of sticking the magic broom in it. Yeah, also, the goddamn time limit. Like, come on. The Nintendo version sounds like it's a bummer because they censored all the Satanism. So it's like, there's a wizard in this house, yeah, and he likes stars. These are stars. Any mention of 666 or the devil is like, it's not there. And I'm like, why? Okay, Nintendo, whatever. But the only thing the Nintendo version did well is removing the time limit. Uh, and with that, I really agree. Because why have this time limit? Why? It's just, it's there to annoy you. Uh, in the Nintendo version, actually, they did a little troll in, in a cute way. You can return the time limit. Uh, there's a gemstone that in the original game is a MacGuffin. And in the Nintendo version, if you pick it up, then you activate the time limit. But if you drop it, the time limit stops. So as long as you carry it, you have a time limit, which is funny. It's just like, ah, you want to pick up stuff for no reason? Well, he'll go pa- get punished for that. Which is like, it's nasty, but also it's cute in some weird way. It's one of those decisions that is really weird and I can't quite parse it. Because if you made a decision to take out the time limit, presumably that was from recognition that because of the trial and error system and the way that save files work, you could conceivably fuck up your game to a point where you don't have enough time to finish it anyway. Yeah. Because you're busy trying out all these random-ass puzzles. So Nintendo clearly recognized that. But then why attach it to a a bit of random treasure that doesn't do anything? Right? Because the ruby doesn't actually have any, like, inherent use. Nothing. None. You just pick it up. Once you pick it up, it, it starts the time limit. Nothing else. Yeah. It's even kind of a weird regression because in Shadowgate, you have a time limit during a very specific situation, but that's because, you know, you have been cursed. This You, you fought this enemy, this enemy has cursed you, and in 200 steps or 300 steps, whatever, you'll die. And then it's like, it adds tension for that specific moment, but it's something that is justified by what you have done. I don't even remember. Does Uninvited actually justify the time limit at any point, or is it just like random... This is the time you have. The place is cursed. And the curse is whispering into your ears. So, like, every once in a while you see a skull coming at you. And basically it's Drakan, although he's frozen. He's still, like, he's a powerful wizard. He cursed the place. And everyone who enters over time, like, turns into a zombie. And you meet one such zombie at a certain point. So over time, you just turn into a zombie. You have enough willpower to resist it for a while, but after some time, it will uh, take over you and you lose. And which reminds me another, like, this is an annoying vagueness. Like, in the very first letter you read in the mailbox, it says that the undead are afraid of symbology. And you get this amulet. This amulet is how you get rid of the zombie in the entrance to the maze. Or not the entrance, like, in the maze, there is a zombie. So, 
Fine. Why doesn't the amulet scare the Scarlet O'Harrop ghost? Or the butler? Why do I need to use the other stuff on them if I have the symbology that scares the undead? Apparently only zombies are undead and ghosts are something. I don't know. Uh, so the game does have this vagueness and, as you said, a lot of trial and error. A lot of times where you think you know how to solve a problem, where in fact the, the solution you think you have has nothing to do with reality. It's something that we've talked about in the past in relation to like the Sierra model, right? Where it, it's artificial, it's an artificial extension of the amount of time you're meant to spend with the game. I don't know. I think that is one of the things that I'm actually happy to see be phased out of older games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time, every time we go back to a game that is just like randomness, just sometimes bad shit will happen because you did not think to boil the rose petals before you ate them. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, you know, like that's not something that would have naturally occurred. And you are meant to just throw things at the screen and and also remember what combinations of inventory items didn't work in the past. You know, Sierra made a whole genre out of it. And I don't think that that was an improvement, you know, because it wasn't ever anything that came out of a plot justification, right? Like, you could say something like, hypothetical situation, uh, you have stepped into this cursed house, and the curse is causing you to see key objects as common household items. So when you're holding a glass, it's not actually a glass, but you can't see what it really is. So you have to, like, experiment with the item until... You see what I'm getting at? Like, if there were some kind of story justification for why you have to go through this trial and error... It would still be as annoying. I don't think this... Because you would know that the justification is just something patched on for this to make sense. I don't feel how it makes it better. I think you would at least feel that the trial and error process is part of your progression as opposed to you just need to figure out the solution to this puzzle and it's a random, you know, whatever. You you will eventually stumble on the right course of action unless you run out of time. So I'm glad that that feature does not come around anymore, but we are mostly done with that. That change in itself has had people being like, you know, oh, you know, get good. I'm like, no, but it's not about that because... But even the get good games don't do that anymore. Like, Dark Souls doesn't have time limit in it. And I mean, even if it did, it's like Dark Souls also doesn't impede your progress by asking you to randomly figure out something that you couldn't logically or rationally come to. It's just like, it's a test of skill. But even if you were, like, facing an enemy that had, uh, I don't know, elemental weaknesses or something, you would at least be able to figure it out from some kind of cue. And not just like, well, he didn't respond when I threw the toilet paper at him. Uh, maybe I'll try the Q-tips. And then it works because he's allergic to Q-tips. As, well, as monsters usually are. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's bullshit. Um, so yeah, of the two, I got to give it to Faith. Even though, you know, Uninvited tells a clearer story, but I think Faith the gaps that it has. Did you, while you were wandering around in the forest, did you find the squirrel? I mean, you're probably done with it, but if you get a chance to like take a look at it, every now and then you find details that are rendered into this world in 8-bit that are still 
you know, interesting choices. But like I said, it's kind of undermined by the fact that you could have just started in the house. But even with that, I feel like Faith is, uh, it's, it's an interesting start for a first, for a one person game. It's a cool game. Like, I, I don't want to take it away from it. I think it's world building, the way it tells its story. It's really cool. I like, I was really into it until the second time I died. And then I felt like I gonna need to go and pick all the notes up again. Uh, I don't know why I figured that because I didn't find the key and I was like, and I had no clue where the key is, like no clue that I figured out. I had no idea how to find the key. So I was like, okay, I'll just travel around, see what happens. And then I died. I'm like, again? No, nah, 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 nah. So tell me, Sean, where do I find the fucking key? Northeast. Just vague northeast. You just the- keep going northeast. You're going to find a little shed. As soon as you walk into the shed, you get a checkpoint. The key is there. Then you go west to the house. Because the only clue I got is how to get to the house. Like, I got to the well, and then I exercised the well, and I got the birthday invitation, which told me, go straight to the house. So I went straight, I got to the house. It's locked. I'm like, yeah. okay, I have no From idea. the house, it's just, it's a couple of screens east. Okay, now I know. Based on what he actually did for the first game, I'm really curious to see what he's going to do with the sequel. Because there is a sense that what you have in Faith feels like the furthest you could possibly go, given the use of that particular style. You know, that visual style is like, there's only so far that you can really take it before it starts getting just unplayable. And I think, you know, Faith does that. If there's a sequel, you know, it's going to have to be better at uh, using space, at not frustrating players, at telling a clearer story. It's going to have to do certain things. And I am kind of curious, as I am like with a lot of indie developers, it's like, what did you learn from this? Right? What did you learn from what people said about this game? And are you better after completing the game? Have you learned something that you're going to implement next time? Whereas with Uninvited, you know, Zojoy, I, I don't even know what's happening with them because they released, you know, the Shadowgate remake in 2012. I think it was kickstarted. I'm almost sure. And that game ends with the tease for the a remake of the sequel that I think came out on the N64. It was either the N64, like one of those really weird consoles in the middle that I don't remember. Pre-PlayStation. <laughs> and... Yeah, that happened too. And then th- that game never materialized. It's been six years. And Zojoy are still active. They're still like on Twitter, on Facebook, and all this stuff. But they never explicitly say. I would be interested to see them do a modern remake of Uninvited. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Like a 3D rendered with everything, like with. A- yeah. Not even 3D. After the episode, I'll show you some comparison slides of, like, the old Shadowgate and the new Shadowgate. Like, they use kind of, like, painted style with these moving objects. It's like, it can be a really interesting style. And because that engine exists and because, you know, Shadowgate and... Oh, Deja yeah, Blue I'm look, and, I'm looking at uh, screenshots right now. It's... Yeah, it looks good. And you could easily imagine Uninvited using that same style because they were all built on the same engine anyway. Yeah. Like Mac Adventure. Ooh, that's 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 pretty. It was a really good game. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'd like to see Uninvited uh, looking like that. Also, I might want to play Shadowgate. I don't know. 
Well, it's available. Uh, do that voodoo that you do. Yeah, I, I might. I might voodoo the voodoo that I do. Pick it up on GOG when you get the time. It's really not that long. Yeah. Well, I guess it's the same, like, half hour. All 50 hours if you're not using a walkthrough. <laughs> um, so I might, I might use a hint system, let's say. The UHS. Speaking of really cool adventure games with unusual twists, uh, Boris, why don't you tell our listeners what we'll be doing next episode? Next episode, we're going to break our own rules a little. We're going to take uh, the very recent Red Strings Club, a cyberpunk adventure game where you play a bartender, uh, and compare it to 2015's uh, VA11 Hall A, aka Valhalla, a cyberpunk visual novel where you play a bartender. Now, true, 2015 isn't very old. We usually try to look at least five years into the past, if not more. Uh, but seeing two cyberpunk bartender games coming up, like, what is it about drinking and cyberpunk? We really want to explore that. And we'll probably have a guest for it. I think he's still available. I'm not going to announce him. We'll see what happens. So we are on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Send any questions, comments, or comparison suggestions to games.of.fp at gmail.com. For Games of Future Past, I'm Sean. I'm Boris. Game over. I got you. I got you, babe. <laughs> <laughs>